Ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of Fantasy Week. All good things, unfortunately, must come to an end here. But we do have one last show for you here on the ITP Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here wrapping up a busy week of fantasy football. Today's podcast is brought to you by Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy platform that lets you build and manage your fantasy team just like a real-life GM. The platform features the revolutionary free agency auction room and also has tons of cool other features like a rookie draft, franchise tags, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and a whole lot more. Visit realitysportsonline.com today and use the promo code PYLON for 10% off the platform fee. And Mark, uh, we are at the end of Fantasy Week, unfortunately. Every fantasy comes to an end, too, I guess. This is true. This is true. But we do have Matt Harmon here with us today. Matt Harmon is uh, a fantasy football writer and editor for NFL.com. And, Matt, we certainly appreciate you taking a little bit of time to uh, to bring us up to speed on fantasy, which both Mark and I kind of suck at, to be this honest. This is true. Oh, yeah. Well, my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks for having me here. Uh, you know, I kind of suck at it, too. But for some reason, somebody pays me to uh, to talk about it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I do. All right. But hey, Mark, that read sounds pretty. <laughs> that read sounds pretty familiar. Does that right? sound a little familiar. Yeah, I think I feel like we've 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 said those same words uh, this, together. But in yeah. the inverse, you know, yeah. I was I was the one doing the doing the talking last time they were said. Matt, yeah. if you want, you can read it again. Yeah, do you want to do I, the mid-show on that? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, I mean, I actually still do have the file saved on my computer, so I guess I could, but uh, I'll pass. I'll leave, I'll leave the professional stuff to you guys. I'm just here to kind of mix things up. Yeah, when people leave the professional stuff to us, it usually doesn't end well, but we'll see what happens on this one. Uh, let's chat a little bit just about what's, uh, what's been going on recently. Obviously, uh, you know, we're starting to really get into, uh, you know, dynasty draft season is in, is full swing at this point. We're starting to see redraft leagues popping up. I'm curious just what kind of trends you're seeing right off the bat in terms of things that have stood out to you so far, uh, this season. Yeah, it's funny right now is is really the time where I really feel like fantasy football season kind of starts, even though, you know, the preseason is a little ways off. Uh, even train, you know, training camp, of course, has not opened yet. Uh, even in July is kind of really when the world starts to focus on fantasy football. But right now is when you really start to see the diehards start to circle in, you know, late May, early June, because it's really when these MFL 10 drafts pick up. And I don't know if you guys are, are familiar with those at all, but they're hosted by my fantasy league. They're best ball drafts where essentially you just draft a team and then forget about it. Uh, it's it, the best ball functionality of it picks the highest scoring lineup every week. And then the people with the most points end up winning um, the little pot out of it. So it's it's really fun and it's a great way to see kind of where the community is on certain players, you know, because right now, of course, people that are drafting are the most, you know, the sharks, the most diehard guys, the ones that are really tuned in, you know, whether it's analysts or just really dedicated observers. And so this is really the time when you get to see a lot of interesting things come together. And whether it's guys that are really overhyped or whether that it is guys that are, you know, kind of f- could be values later on, this is really, really where you start to see it at the grassroots level. So right now, one thing I'm noticing, of course, is the separation kind of in positional tiers. And you've got like three or four really high-end running backs, depending on who you ask, maybe even five. Um, and you're seeing those guys kind of go early. But, of course, like after last year, people are pretty hesitant to draft running backs because it was just such a disaster. So I'm really at this point trying to focus in on 
who are the good running backs? Where are they going off the board? And where do I feel comfortable taking them? And, and right now, I think that's kind of what I'm focusing on because the wide receivers, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this too, there are definitely some great top-end guys, but there's a really second, like a, a middle class of, of the wide receiver group that is pretty deep, to be honest with you. So that's kind of what I'm trying to focus on right now. Like, where are tiers developing within positions? Matt, are you seeing similar things in quarterbacks after the struggles of some high-profile QBs last year? Well, I think that I think just the general public has finally caught on to the idea that I think a lot of you know fantasy analysts have been parod- you know um, kind of putting out there for a while now and mostly thanks to JJ Zacharies and at late round QB you know who who wrote about this a couple years ago that you can pretty much put off drafting your quarterback and essentially get the same sort of value over replacement later on so it's not even necessarily like you know that Andrew Luck struggled or Aaron Rodgers struggled last year it's just the fact that you can get a quarterback a feasible quarterback tandem or even just one guy that could potentially carry you. Like I've been drafting Eli Manning in the 13th round of these MFL tens. And I feel pretty confident that he's going to give me more startable weeks than not. And just the fact that you can get your quarterback in the 13th round, that's going to start most games for you. You're not getting running backs or wide receivers and maybe even tight ends this year. Tight ends actually kind of a funny position to talk about this year, but we can get into that later. I think that you just, I think that the people are just hip to it now that you can push drafting your quarterback later on down the road and I think that that's always the fun part is seeing how far you can push it you know I don't know if I don't know if you guys are Seinfeld guys or not but oh yeah uh, there's the one episode where Kramer and the and the car dealership guy literally drive the 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 test drive car to E like (laughs) let's see how far we can push it that's like what drafting quarterbacks is in fantasy football. Is like you just want to see how far you can take it can I take five wide receivers before I take my first quarterback and I think people are just kind of hip to that now Matt, looking at this running back position, you mentioned that there are about like five guys or so that seem to be that top tier of running backs. And looking at average draft position ADP right now, it looks like number five might be Ezekiel Elliott. How high do you think he's really going to go as we see redraft season begin? I mean, is he like a top tier running back now? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, honestly, other than the fact that he's a rookie, and I really hate defaulting on like well he's not proven you know or it's the unknown I think you have to I think league winning moves are really about embracing the unknown and embracing that wide ranging you know variable and and kind of being willing to accept that a little bit like the 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 moves that win your league are often the ones that seem outside of the normal range of outcomes and I think Ezekiel Elliott is far outside the normal. I mean, this is a, I mean, you guys study the draft. You know, he is an incredibly talented running back, pretty much in the perfect situation, not only behind a run heavy offensive line, but also, you know, he has a quarterback theoretically when Tony Romo's on the field. That is a kind of a big question mark at the same time. But at the same time, this is an offense that is built to play his style of football. You know, he can allow an offensive line to, vary up their schemes because he can run power he can run zone and I think that that's something that the Dallas offensive line will really benefit from so he's kind of just he's an exception to the rule and I think definitely is a top five running back I know Evan Silva has him as his RB1 this year I mean that's that's pretty huge and it seems crazy just because he's a rookie but I think this is very much not a normal situation so to me I'm not going to be the guy that puts any sort of artificial ceiling on what can happen with Ezekiel Elliott this year. I think the range of outcomes are very wide and it 
honestly, if somebody wanted to take him at the top of the draft, I, I can't, I can't, I can't turn my nose up at that. I might not be the one to do it. I'm like I said, I'm kind of formulating my running back rankings right now. It's really hard to kind of pick between these guys. I might have him at one. I might have him at five. But to, if you're putting him in any one of those spots, I think it's okay. Sticking with uh, the running back position here. You look at some of the other rookie running backs that are coming into the league here, none obviously with the pure talent or the situation that Elliott has, but are there any other ones that may make sense later on in a draft as you get deeper in there, or is it something that maybe you're just not picking any of them up right away and waiting to see results first? All right, yeah, listen, I'll, 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 be, I'll be honest here. I'll, I'll come out and say this. My name is Matt Harmon, and I'm addicted to CJ Procise as in fantasy football. I don't think like, you're I, alone. Yeah, and, and listen, it's just I think if one thing we learned last year about running backs, other than it was a chaotic position, it's that these guys that that have passing down roles can give you a safe floor. I mean, you look at a guy like Charles Sims, who really nobody was excited to start on a weekly basis but because of his clear-cut role uh in the tampa bay offense he gave you some startable weeks uh in because he's because he's a passing down player and i think that people will be surprised to 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 kind of just rely on those guys but if you go especially in a ppr league where you're awarded you know point per reception if you go wide receiver heavy early guys like cj pro you know danny woodhead last year uh, think about that. He was he was at RB eleven, the eleventh overall running back in standard leagues, not even in PPR leagues. And if if CJ Procise is going to be the passing down back in Seattle, I think that that is really already a safe floor for you to rely on. And if you're taking him in the eleventh round, I think you could potentially be getting a steal there. Not to mention, guys, I'm I'm not going to rule out that he takes the starting job outright. I think he's a very talented runner. He certainly needs to work on reading blocks and some of the more nuanced parts of the running back position but he's a very physically talented he's a more physically talented player than Thomas Rawls I like what Thomas Rawls did last year but at the same time he's an undrafted free agent they're still using words like we hope there's hope that Thomas Rawls is back you know for week one or that he's back in full force they don't have anything invested in this guy and I, I think he played very well last year but he didn't blow the doors off everything so Thomas Rawls is a pretty risky top five round pick to me. I would much rather just wait and take Procise for the upside that he might take the job. But even if he doesn't, if he's going to catch 40 passes or so this year, 40, 50, 60 passes this year, he's going to give you a really safe floor, especially in PPR league. So he makes just a complete sensible bet for me in the late rounds. I'm going to, I've taken him in two of my three dynasty drafts so far, and I've taken him in several MFL tens. I mean, I'm just, I'm really just kind of obsessed with the guy right now. Matt, I want to move to the wide receiver position, a position you know incredibly well. You study it. You do great work there. And speaking of dynasty drafts, of out of the four first-round wide receivers, just how wary should people be with respect to Will Fuller? I mean, not not just the drops, which I know you don't put a lot of weight into, but mm-hmm. his ability or inability specifically against press, which you pointed out in reception perception, wasn't great at it in college. He's going to see more of it in the pros. How wary should people be? Well, I think it's a concern if you're projecting him to be a regular contributor in the Houston offense. Like, if you really think that Will Fuller is going to be the Texans' clear cut number two option in the passing game, if he's going to siphon targets away from DeAndre Hopkins, then I think you're 
you're going to have to project that he's going to get much better at beating press coverage and being a routine winner in that phase of the game. However, for fantasy purposes, I really like Fuller in a best ball league, but in dynasty leagues, I'm not, you know, formats where you're going to have to pick which weeks to start him are going to be inherently frustrating. He's just that kind of player. So for, for MFL tens, for best ball leagues, I really like him, but at the same time, there's going to be some inherent frustration to, to owning Will Fuller. I'm not as sold on drafting him in those sort of leagues. Now, what about when we talk about, uh, just your, your, kind of go-to wide receivers at this point we've been seeing uh awful lot you know of uh antonio brown going at the top of drafts right now is that pretty much your uh standalone number one or do you have different thoughts in terms of who should be at the top as far as wide receivers as a whole yeah i think the top three are pretty cemented uh brown beckham jones and you can toss those in any order. I would have them in the order that I just presented them and feel pretty strongly about that. After that is where things get interesting. You know, I see in the consensus rankings right now, DeAndre Hopkins is usually the wide receiver for. I think Hopkins will certainly be a wide receiver one this year. He'll be a top 12 player at the position. No question. I mean, probably top 10 too, but... Top five, I have a little bit of questions about because if you guys remember, Hopkins was putting up tremendous numbers at the first half of the season when Houston was a bad team. And when they got better in the second half of the year, they started running less plays. They started you know, calling more run plays. And Hopkins' numbers were a little bit more depressed in the second half of the season when Houston was a good team. So to me, I would imagine that Bill O'Brien and the Texans would like to stick on that formula that made them a winning team. And to me, I think that Hopkins' role will take a little bit of a backseat. He won't put up those monster target numbers that we saw last year. I'm actually really liking A.J. Green as the wide receiver for this year. I actually have a column planned for uh, July. Shows you how far ahead we're thinking already. Oh, planned for July about wide receivers who could have a career year. And A.J. Green is going to be the poster boy of that because I really look at the fact that Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu left, as we know, and now Tyler Eifert is injured. And I know that some people will be like, well, are these targets going to be spread around Tyler Boyd or Brandon LaFell? I'm not a big fan of either of those guys as you know regular contributors that you count on. Uh, for LaFell, I certainly don't think that is a hot take. Uh, but Green, when you if you remember like the years the his second and third year in the league, that's when he was getting like 170, 180 sort of targets. He hasn't seen that level of volume in the last few years, especially last year. That was the frustrating part about owning him was that there were so many good options in the Cincinnati passing game that he would sometimes get those like four for sixty weeks. This year, I think it's going to be much more of an AJ Green filled passing attack. You know, kind of like where Julio Jones' year was was last year where he just got pummeled with targets. I see Green being that guy this year. And he's not – I mean he is just as talented, just as good as those players there at the, the top three. He just doesn't always get the volume. This year I think that's happening. He's he's a guy that if I'm picking in the second half of the first round, I'm, I'm looking at him there. And I'm even going to hope that he gets there if I'm in the top half of the second round because I don't think people are hip to this idea right now that Green is up there in this tier. But to me, he clearly is. We're talking fantasy wide receivers here with Matt Harmon from NFL.com. And have you ever wished that you could be an NFL general manager? Now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online. It's a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager. And the reason why? 
is because Reality Sports Online was actually built by former NFL front office personnel. It features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent, not just for one year, but to multi-year contracts as well. The platform hosts up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency, such as a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, injured reserve, automated contract and salary cup cap functionality, and a whole lot more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. And if you like what you see, use the promo code PYLON, that's P-Y-L-O-N, to get a free 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Mark, I know you had uh, one thing that you wanted to get into as well here. Yeah, Matt, I'm wondering... Where do you come down right now on Des Bryant? Because when I'm trying to think about what ha- what he's going to do in that Dallas offense, part of me thinks, look, Dallas is going to run the ball, run the ball, and run the ball again. We just talked about Ezekiel Elliott. But at the same time, teams are going to be ready to stop the run against them. I mean, do you think Des is a top five wide receiver now, given what Dallas is going to do on offense? Yeah, I, I mean, I talked about that column where I'm going to write about these guys that are potentially going to have career years. And I, I want to include Des Bryant in there. Um, I, I really do. I think that he is that he is clearly as talented as any of these guys that we just mentioned. And he's one of the most lethal red zone threats uh, in the NFL. Of course, the one big question remains, well, actually the, just one of the questions that remains is Tony Romo's health. We, we already right. talked about that with Ezekiel Elliott. That's certainly a worry because we saw Dez kind of catapult off the cliff last year when Romo wasn't there. But you can also make the chicken and egg argument whether that was actually his health or not. The real problem I have with Dez is that Dallas has never shown really any inclination to just funnel their passing game through Des Bryant, which if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know, especially during the regular season, I'm constantly bemoaning the fact that these teams won't just throw it to their good players. Like, yep. <laughs> you know, and, and Dallas is the worst about that. They, they always involve other players. Des has never even gotten 160 targets in a season. I know that seems kind of crazy considering that guys like Demarius Thomas get 180, you know, Jones and Brown pushed 200 last year. Brian has never even approached that. His best season when he scored 16 touchdowns, he only had 136 targets. So is is Dez going to be that type of guy in 2016 where they funnel the offense through him? I think theoretically they could. They'll be, they'll definitely be run based. There's no question about that, but it should essentially the play calls should essentially be you know, mix it up with Ezekiel Elliott. Are they going to do? They're going to do some zone. They're going to do some man blocking stuff, and he's going to you know be the the tone setter. But when they're passing the ball, the first and second option should be get the ball to Des Bryant. But but the Cowboys have never been that team, so I think there's a chance that under Scott Linehan, who has done, who has made a lot of wide receiver ones very productive in his career as an offensive coordinator or a head coach. He could he could make the offense that way. It could be that setup, but you're you're making a little bit of a leap of faith. So I think he's going to push my top five, but I, I I don't know. It's there's there's more than a little reasons to question. Let's uh let's swing over and talk a little bit about tight ends now. I know we had briefly mentioned them uh, a little bit earlier. I've got two questions for you, Matt. The first one. I just want a one-word answer because I can't really take it if it goes too much longer. Was I dumb to draft Rob Gronkowski third overall last year? No, I've always been. Wow, I wasn't. Yeah, it's the only good pick you made. Holy crap. 
I got now, so al- much crap for that one. I have always been a, a Gronk guy, you know, and there there were some weeks that, that it was a little bit quieter than others last year. He definitely gives you a unique positional advantage that that just doesn't happen at, with any other player in the league. That is for sure. And I know that you can cobble like last year, the thought and this is probably why you were laughed at for this. A lot of people last year were saying, like, what's the point of taking Gronk when you can cobble together like a committee of tight ends again, especially in those MFL 10s. But if you did that last year, honestly, you were probably pretty disappointed in the results. There were a lot of guys like Jordan Cameron, Charles Clay. These guys were really big disappointments last year Uh, and, and this year. That's 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 kind of influencing my my thoughts this year. So no, I don't think you were dumb. Okay, well that's that's a first. So that's always good. Talk to me about your thoughts on tight ends this year. Is it a position that you are kind of devaluing because of the inconsistency there, or there's still some guys that may make sense as you start to go, you know, kind of into the middle rounds there uh, as potential picks. Yeah, this year, unlike any other, I'm kind of a little bit more interested in investing in that middle tier of tight ends, like that middle group. You know, there's obviously Gronk, and and this year I'm actually even less willing. I'm 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 a little bit less willing to take Gronk at the in the first round. Um, I I think that there's reason to, and I'll never fault anybody for doing it, but I really just don't feel comfortable in my drafts if I haven't come away with one run really solid running back and two of those kind of top 20 receivers. I, I, and it's really hard to do that when you also have Gronk. So I've been eschewing him a little bit this year, but and so in this year, like, like on, unlike any other, I was definitely willing to invest in the Greg Olson's, the Jordan Reed's, the Travis Kelsey, Tyler Eifert before he had his injury issues like those guys are all kind of going in the you know the fourth to even the down to the sixth round. Normally, I was not willing to invest in those guys, but because it was you know the Jason Wittens of the world. But this year, I do think that those guys offer plenty of individual upside on a week to week basis, but also some season long upside as well. Also, I'd I'd include Gary Barnage in that group because I think he's going to be the favorite to lead Cleveland in targets. Um, I, I really don't I don't think he was a fluke even though the quarterback situation is bad there. So there's enough guys in those kind of, that kind of um, you know fourth to seventh round range that I want to take. And after that, it dries up really quick, man. And that's, to me, I am much, much less inclined this year to kind of cobble around a little, a little committee of tight ends at the end of the draft. Like I, I think that guys like Dwayne Allen, Jared Cook, God, God, God forbid I say that, but uh, Dwayne Allen, Jared Cook, Martellus Bennett, uh, I think those guys are interesting late in drafts, but I don't want to be relying on those guys. I don't want to draft two tight ends in a standard redraft league. So this year, more than any, I'm kind of in, interested in just plucking one of those Olsons, Reed, Kelsey, Eifert, if he comes at a discount, Gary Barnage. I'm interested in grabbing one of those guys, much less so than kicking tight end down the can. And because I do think that the second tier and the middle class of the wide receiver group is so deep and you can grab a pass catching running back as your RB2, I'm willing to kind of sink an earlier pick than normal into tight end this year where I have not been before. Matt, I get two questions here, kind of a two-parter about my favorite position, of course, the quarterback position. First, how excited were you on a recent MFL 10 when you tuned out for a bit and got Carson Wentz to fall on your lap? Oh, my God. 
That's so mean that you would ask me that. I thought we were I had to. Okay. I had to. That's uh, so. That is apparently this year the um, the penalty. The the penalty of of uh, especially right now because uh, my fantasy league's ADP in in the MFL tens also takes into account current rookie drafts. So right now, if you sign up for an MFL ten and you pull up their ADP rankings. Uh, when you're on the clock, you'll be like, "What the hell are all these rookies doing up here?" You know, like why is why is Laquan Treadwell way ahead of you know maybe like an established veteran or whatever? And and these quarterbacks like Cardell Jones is going ahead of of Andy Dalton in ADP. That's just because the rookie drafts are are influencing it right now. So just be be aware of that. But that's so when you time out right now, you're pretty much guaranteed to get Carson Wentz. It happened to me. It happened to Alex Gelhar. I think it happened to a few other people. So. Uh, I was very upset because that's a, also an MFL 25 where you put $25 down instead of 10. <laughs> so it's extra and it's with a bunch of Evan Silva put it together with a bunch of industry people. So it's like being it's really like I just got pantsed in front of the cool kids table in the lunchroom. And uh, so that's that's where I'm at right now. But building off of that, though, in terms of dynasty drafts, are there any quarterbacks that you would be high on and tell people, look, you know, maybe it won't give you a lot this year, but. He's in a good spot. Take him, stash him away for a year or two down the road, and he'll you know do well for you in a year or so. You know, I think that guy actually might be Paxton Lynch, uh, just yeah. because I think he's going to go after Goff and Wentz. And by the way, I think that just as a general piece of advice when it comes to dynasty rookie drafts, I'm really honestly not interested in investing in any of these quarterbacks because the quarterback position is so nebulous, uh, because it is just so. It's so easy to cobble together quarterbacks, like I mentioned. And and guys like Phillip Rivers are always in startup drafts going at like the end of the draft, like because they're old, but you also know who they are. And I think the quarterback position more than anything, it, it gets knocked because of age. But these some of these guys like Manning and Rivers are productive year in and year out, same way. So honestly, I'm not interested in like kind of burning a second or even especially a first round pick on rookie quarterbacks at this point anymore. But Lynch, sometimes he goes at the end of the third, sometimes even falls into the fourth. And I do think he is in a very good situation. I think he's got a good arm and he's got some nice wide receivers to throw to right now. And a quarterback coach in Gary Kubiak, who has shown the ability to take the quarterback, like quarterbacks like him, kind of in his similar archetype and make them functional. So I really like if I'm going to invest in a rookie quarterback this year, I think it would be Lynch. Sit on him for a year. And honestly, to, I mean, he could start games this year. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't rule that out at all. Matt, we're uh, just about out of time here. Uh, before we do wrap up, anything that you're working on the next few months that you want our listeners to uh, to know about? Yeah, I'll be going through uh, some of the rookie receivers from last year for reception perception, hopefully putting some of that out on NFL.com this year. I'll be doing the same uh, kind of sophomore wide receiver series that I did last year when I first popped up on the scene at NFL.com after getting hired there. It'll be less sexy this year because it's not that 2014 wide receiver class, but I think it should be interesting. So keep an eye out on, uh, keep an eye out for that. And I've also got some more uh, just reception perception based content coming out with the wide receivers. And uh, yeah, like I said, rankings, those are getting done. Unfortunately, I will be, I will be doing those as well soon. Outstanding. Well, it's been a blast having you on, and uh, maybe we'll get you back in here uh, sometime in July when the uh, the fantasy mortals start to do their drafts, as opposed to the experts like yourself. Oh, please. Well, f- for one, I'm I'm no expert. I'm just another idiot on his couch, as I constantly say on my podcast. But uh, you mortals, 
you guys are the lucky ones because you're not obsessed with this garbage for <laughs> no. Instead, for, we're for obsta- instead we're obsessed with kickers. It's worse. This is true. It's we worse. Are, is, yeah, actually, that's a good point. I take back everything I just said. <laughs> Matt Harmon from NFL.com, fantasy football writer and editor. There. That is everything that we have for the week, Mark. That's Fantasy Week. It's wrapped. Fantasy Week is in the books. Hope everyone has a lovely Memorial Day weekend. Get the barbecue fired up, a couple beers, burgers, whatever you want. We will be back Monday. We still work Monday, even though it's a holiday. Got a big show Monday, too. Make sure you turn us on when you got the grill going. It'll be awesome for everyone. Until then, Chuck Zada, Mark Schofield. We'll catch you next week.